0: At Journey Beyond Divorce, we understand that navigating through the emotional tsunami of separation and divorce is one of the hardest journeys you'll take. And we know that once the initial fear and pain begins to pass, a whole new storm of confusion, uncertainty, and self-doubt can surface. Journey Beyond Divorce can help you identify and clarify where you're feeling stuck and what steps you need to move forward. Even if they're just baby steps, we guide you with practical, tangible support that you can start implementing right away. Our team of experienced divorce coaches is ready to help you. Listen through the show because we have a gift just for you. It'll help you navigate your divorce with more calm and confidence.
1: There is a mindset shift, and and this is really important to happen whether you're living under one roof or not. You've lived with this person, you've been married, you've built a life together, either for a short, midterm, or long period of time, and they've been your life partner. And so the mind shift that's really important to experience and let yourself go through is... To view that person no longer as your life partner with expectations that one would have about a life partner, but as your roommate. And it it may sound cold, it may sound strange, bizarre, but this person really now is logistically someone you're living under the same roof with. Welcome to JBD Team
0: Talks with your host, Karen McMahon. During Team Talks, you get a chance to meet our JBD coaches as we discuss challenges and difficulties that are common to everyone facing divorce and provide you with tips and strategies to help you master the art of managing your thoughts, calming your emotions, and intentionally choosing your responses. And now for today's topic. Welcome back to another episode of JBD Team Talks. I am here today with Rachel Goldman. Welcome, Rachel.
1: Thank you. Very glad to be here.
0: Today's topic is five tips for living with your soon-to-be ex during divorce. Now, I lived with my soon-to-be ex during divorce for about three and a half years. I definitely could have used these tips. Uh, there's so much tension when you file divorce and then living under the same roof can create a lot of friction or not. And so our desire is that today's episode really helps you think through um, what you wanna do and create some uh, guidelines so that you can live more peacefully under the same roof. Rachel, you wanna just jump in and give your uh, thoughts on the topic before we dive in? Sure. I I think there's a misconception
1: that that it's unusual for couples who are beginning or in the process of divorce to be living together at some point during that process. And in fact, it's more common than I think people think. I have a number of coach clients right now who are living with their soon-to-be ex-spouses and um, some of what they want coaching about is help around that, around changing their mindset, around how to deal with issues as they come up, but all the different feelings that are coming up.
0: Absolutely. And it's um, it's not only uh, a financial decision. Right. So for those who can't afford uh, a second place uh before the whole settlement there. There is that financial piece for me. There was also the piece that um, my attorney had said, should you leave? This is the children's home, so you can't just take the kids with you. So there's other complexities that might keep people living under the same roof. And so I think what we want to talk about today is what makes it so challenging and then leave you with some guidelines for how to ease those challenges.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and it, it can be extremely challenging. I mean, imagine you are beginning or in a process where you are emotionally separating from one another, knowing that you're going to physically separate, you're negotiating or litigating the divorce and you come home and that person is still in your house. And it can be excruciatingly uncomfortable. It can be confusing to the spouses, to the children. It it makes it more difficult sometimes to shift from Having a mindset as a couple raising children, if there are children, to a strictly business relationship now and a strictly co-parenting relationship. So it, it can be very, very challenging. It's it's almost counterintuitive.
0: Right. And as you're describing it, it's it's very murky. You're you're living in the gray. And to your point, you're you're, you're once you've decided to get a divorce and you're going down that path, uh, continuing to operate as partners and spouses doesn't make sense. Obviously it hasn't been working well and there's been friction anyway. And to your point, Uh, that's not an easy pivot to go. Well, you're you're no longer, you know, my spouse, my partner, the person I confide in or share with or, you know, or or get um, counsel from. Now you're just someone that I'm specifically in this narrow lane of co-parenting with. That's a pretty hefty pivot to make.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a hefty pivot, even if you're physically separated. It takes time and and it's even heftier if you're living under the same roof. Um, I just had a call with a client yesterday who's living with her husband and they have one child and it's very tense and she has just begun the divorce process And her statement to me was every morning I wake up and I have to hear his voice as the first thing I hear. And and it's jarring sometimes.
0: Right, absolutely. And so, and then you have your your garden variety divorce, which has friction, but isn't terribly hostile. And then you have your high conflict divorce where um, it might be even more difficult. And then you have a situation where, Uh, the apartment or home you're living in doesn't have an extra room or a basement for someone to move into. Um, And so there's so many complexities that happen. In my marital residence, we had A finished attic, and while it was a hundred degrees and really hard to live in, it was at least a space where I was completely separate from my soon-to-be ex. And so you could you could be dealing with somebody living in the basement, or sleeping on on the living room couch, or even maybe you're still sharing a bedroom. So all of these things add to it. So there's so much complexity in that, on top of just the normal. Uh, day in and day out of the legal and the practical divorce that you're facing.
1: Absolutely. And then just to sort of add um, another possibility, and I'm working with a client who is in this situation where she and her husband really care about each other, Uh, but they both realize that they can't stay married and they're living under one roof with a young adult child. And it's actually been more painful for her to continue to live in the same home with him because there isn't friction and there isn't conflict. And and so she has gone back and forth with, well, maybe I should just live in this house with him for the rest of my life because it's not horrific and it's not, but I'm not happy. And so again, there can be that confusion right. in a different kind of situation. So what we're not going to do is go into all the logistics of of what
0: you do and and and, you know, who moves out of the bedroom if someone does and all of that. But what we do want to do today is we want to give you some guidelines to that will help you, um, you and your soon to be ex uh, gain some clarity, Um have a lane that you can live in during this time that that's been agreed to. And so why don't you start us off with, um, with uh, even before we get to that, I think you had mentioned that there's a mindset shift that has to happen. Can, let's talk about that before we get to the rules.
1: Sure, uh, there is a mindset shift and, and this is really important. Happen whether you're living under one roof or not. You've lived with this person. You've been married. You've built a life together, either for a short, midterm, or long period of time, and they've been your life partner. And so, the mind shift that that's really important to experience and let yourself go through is. To view that person no longer as your life partner with expectations that one would have about a life partner, but as your roommate. And it, it, it may sound cold, it may sound strange, bizarre, but this person really now is logistically someone you're living under the same roof with. And similarly, if you have children, your connection from here on out is going to be simply around the children. And so it's moving again from a couple mindset around raising children to our focus is on our children and our interactions and our relationship is focused and honed in on the children. So the emotional expectations, the emotional um, connection as a couple needs to be... Let go of and it takes time. And again, for the reasons we've started to talk about, it can be even more challenging to do when you're physically living with that person. Right.
0: And there's a way of doing this, you know, that you can be businesslike and um, just partners in raising the children and you can still be kind and compassionate and it's murky. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's going to be a time where you turn to your soon to be ex or vice versa for support or encouragement. And one party or the other might not be there anymore doing that. And so creating a support network outside of your marriage is vital in general. And certainly if you're about to start living or continue living with your soon-to-be ex, but under a different set of rules and circumstances, you want to have that outside support team that you're leaning on so that you're no longer going to him or her for that.
1: That's a really good point. And, And it's a great First step or steps to starting to build a life that isn't focused in on your couple relationship.
0: Exactly. So. So the first thing you want to do is uh, set ground rules. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what that would look like, Rachel.
1: So uh, what what my thought is about this is is to be very intentional if you're going to be living under one roof, to not just let it happen and flow the way it flows and then deal with issues or problems as they come up, but to literally sit down and meet and talk about, okay, we're gonna be living together, we're gonna be going through the divorce process. How do we wanna be talking to each other? What kind of personal space and respect for space is important to each of us. How do we want to be communicating? Are we going to speak about the divorce in front of the children, which is hopefully the answer is no. Are we going to talk about it outside of the house? It's really sort of visioning together how this is going to work. And, and it can be an excellent Conversation to have because again it's in line with starting to change the nature of the relationship. This is this is more business like. This is more intentional. This is this is this is really setting the stage for how we're going to function now as a family or as two people if you don't have children under the same roof and it's going to be different.
0: And with any communication, uh, if you don't communicate then you're going to have two people with two different sets of expectations and it's just going to give you more to fight about. And so, so figuring out what your ground rules are, we're going to give you some suggestions, figuring out what your ground rules are. And so I think, you know, what, what I hear you talking about, uh, Rachel is there's, there's communication and all that comes around that there's, um, there's boundaries, both Within the physical living space, as well as uh, interaction or or what you do and don't do with the kids, there's the finances and there's how you're going to parent going forward. So there's there's these five different areas where. Taking the time to think for yourself first, like what do I want? What do I want under each of these areas? If if you had your ideal, what would communication look like? And that way you can have that conversation with your soon-to-be-ex. And so when you get really clear on what you feel ground rules should be, and then you invite your soon-to-be-ex to the table, and you do that with flexibility, it's a great opportunity to practice compromise, which is going to be needed throughout your divorce negotiation anyway. So this is like a smaller negotiation, perhaps, but a great starting point. Wouldn't you agree with that, Rachel? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: That's right that's right because you're right you know both people are going into this new situation with ideas and and visions of how it's going to work and if you do not communicate about it and openly discuss it and and come up with shared ground rules uh, you're going to run into conflict and it's going to be more unpleasant
0: Going through a divorce is challenging. It involves many issues, legal, financial, emotional, and social, and requires the guidance of a seasoned legal team to achieve optimal outcomes. That's the promise of Laufer, Delena, Jensen, Bradley, and Doran. Choosing the right family lawyer could be the most important decision you make in the divorce process. There's life after divorce, and Laufer's team helps you to get there. Providing options to mediate, arbitrate, collaborate, or litigate, the firm handles issues such as alimony, custody, child support, and equitable distribution. Each case is staffed with both a male and female attorney as their clients benefit from having both gender perspectives on their side, and that distinguishes their firm. You can get your free consultation today by calling 973-285-1444 and mention that you heard about them on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. So, so let's just start with, um, uh, so, so, The tip one is that you're going to create ground rules. The first ground rule is going to be around um, the best mode of communication. Let's just talk about what comes up under communication a little bit.
1: Okay. so first of all, how are you going to communicate? Mm. I know some spouses who choose, even though they're under one roof, to communicate only by email or by text about anything other than logistics within the household. Some couples decide if if we need to have a more serious conversation, we'll do it in person, but we'll do it outside of the house so that it's not within earshot of the children. Mm -hmm. So the first is, how are you going to communicate? And then what are you going to communicate to the children? Because they're clearly going to notice this change. How are you going to explain that their parents are no longer sleeping in the same room, that perhaps they're... They're not together as much in parenting. There's more separate parenting. What do you want to tell the kids that is age and developmentally appropriate? And so to the extent you can be in agreement about that and share it with the kids and listen to the kids and answer their questions together, much better for everyone if you can't then agree on how who is going to communicate what to the children and come back together to report back and and get and give feedback about how it went so you're still on the same page
0: yeah and the other thing i would add is is what are you going to communicate about so you know there could be um a roof leak, there could be uh, there could be uh conflicts with schedules. And so one person may want to only talk about the children, but maybe there are other things. Maybe there are finances and and holidays coming up. And so even agreeing to the mode of communication, what you want to talk about with the kids, and then what is not isn't um off limits. and so um, so it may be that in order for you to uh, for you to cohabitate with some level of peace, um, the divorce is off limits unless in writing we agree. Like that, that's where you figure out what your boundary is. And there may be certain conversations or topics that just trigger you to, as a couple to begin with, figure out what that is and make that part of the conversation so that you have agreement. And the key here is the more you can work with your soon-to-be-ex to have agreement under living under the same roof, it's going to really be great practice for when you start talking about some of the bigger issues.
1: Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Boundaries around discussion about what's going on in the divorce. Absolutely critical, because if, you, if you're, for example, have just left a very heated negotiation meeting or a mediation or a court hearing and you bring it home, there's no safe space for anybody.
0: And that's the word I was just going to use And and just Top of mind, what do you need for your home to be a safe space? During this time, and and that does bring us into the next topic, which is setting clear boundaries Um, and clear boundaries are going to involve communication. They're going to involve physical space. They're going to involve um, when we do things with the kids together and when we do things with the kids alone and probably other things as well. But those are three top of mind for us. And so if we start with. Uh, setting clear boundaries and your physical space. Uh, Let's touch on that first, Rachel, and go from there. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. And, and, And you pointed out that there are some living situations where there's very limited physical space. So this can even be more challenging in that situation. But to identify certain areas or an area of the house that is each person's personal space that the other one will not be entering without permission. So so that each person has emotional space and physical space doesn't feel like like they have nowhere to go. So to speak, I've had many coach calls with clients in the car because they're living with their soon to be ex spouse and they have nowhere to go. And, when they finally are able to speak to me from a home, it, it seems like such a huge shift. Or if they've worked out with the spouse, when they're going to have their call with their coach and the spouse is going to be out of the house. It's a very different feeling. Um, it may seem strained, but talking about how to handle preparation of and purchase of food and meals and are we still going to be eating together? Are we going to be doing more parallel parenting where one of us has the kids for dinner one night, the other one does? Are we laundry? I mean, it seems bizarre, but it's important to talk about are we going to be doing laundry together? Um, Are we going to do our own laundry Uh, there's a whole gamut. I mean, think of all the things you do together as a couple in, in, in a home who's married. And now you really need to touch on, do we want to continue to do those logistical things together, or are we going to begin to do them separately? Another boundary that's really important is what is, what are okay topics to talk about and what are not? For example, if one person or both want to be dating or just going out, is it OK to ask about that? Or is that off limits now? Any conversation about social life outside the house and, and be clear about it and respect whatever your soon to be ex spouse wants around that.
0: And and then I think the other big one that comes to mind for me is uh birthdays holidays visiting in-laws and so that conversation about while we're living under the same roof together uh how are we going to handle those things and uh, you know are we going to go as a family for the kids are are we going to um are we, are we going to take it on a case-by-case case basis? What and and think about what you need. It's oh, the best place to start is if I had my ideal, what would it be? Like that's where I always tell my clients to start. It doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want, but especially if you have a tendency to be codependent, it's like, well, let me figure out what he or she wants. Figure out what you want. Figure out what would be most comfortable for you. And even as you're listening and you're going through that list, figure out what the most important things are. So if you're negotiating and when you negotiate, and this is this is more Rachel's wheelhouse than mine, but when you're negotiating, it's really valuable to know what your non-negotiables are. What's top of list priority? I'll give up other things, but I don't wanna give up this and and what's much less i have a preference but it's not that important to me and that's going to really help when you sit down
1: and have that negotiation mm-hmm. absolutely because if everything is equally important it makes it very hard to reach agreements the flip side is if nothing's important and you just want to please the other person, it also makes it very hard to reach agreements that are authentic and that that feel good for you. So get clarity and and talk to your coach about it. That's where a coach can really come in. Very valuable to to get that kind of clarity and to be solid in what what my non-negotiables are, like you said, and where can I compromise and what can I live with?
0: And the truth is, I mean, my my divorce was definitely marathon-like, and I did. I lived in the attic for three and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I had intercoms for my barely school-aged children, and so whether this is just a three or six month stint for you or a year, a year and a half, or God forbid, something like I had, uh, it's a really, really important step and it can make a world of difference in you remaining, um, calm and having some semblance of peace. I mean, our home is one of our most vital necessities. And so, uh, that movie Sleeping with the Enemy, you, you know, that's a really hard way to go into what's going to be a difficult process to begin with. And so the more the more you can uh, create a plan with God guidelines, the better off you're going to be. Uh, the next one I think uh, we want to touch on is finances. So just like tasks and meals and laundry is important, there is that piece of how are we handling finances? Because you're kind of in the in-between. You're not divorced. You're not married. You're kind of in this in-between living together. Can you mm-hmm. speak about that a little bit and maybe give some um, uh, possibilities? Yes.
1: And, and this comes up as well when when people are physically separated and and they haven't um, reached the end point of the divorce is are we going to continue to, if you have joint accounts, Are we gonna continue to fund the account and pay for everybody's expenses out of that account? Are we going to pay for some expenses out of that account, but there will be some separate expenses that we each have that are paid for out of individual accounts? How are we going to pay for the children's expenses? Just be very, very clear on where money's coming in and and how money's going out. And this is actually a good time to start to put together a budget, even though ultimately your budget is not going to be a cohabitation budget, but to start, it will help you become more aware of what you spend money on and whether there's a gap in the income and the spending. And it will show you what's, potentially left over for a second home
0: as well. Right. And at this point in the process, uh, you may be the one who paid the bills or your uh, soon-to-be ex paid the bills, but you did the food shopping. And so oftentimes uh, the, the couple... Individually doesn't have all the answers, but together they do. And so living under one roof and starting to have that conversation and pull those numbers together. And if you don't pay the bills, it would be wise for you to learn what they are and and vice versa. So, so that's a great point. And again, uh, you know, we have a segment of our audience who's in that high conflict area. And so I I want to say that all everything we're saying holds true even if you don't have a cooperative soon-to-be ex that's going to sit down and communicate with you you go through this process you figure out what you'd like your guidelines and rules to be you invite the other person into a conversation maybe it happens maybe it doesn't you have clarity and you can still state um, your boundaries. Uh, mm-hmm. and there's certain things that you don't need agreement on. And boundaries is certainly one of them where you can state your boundaries. You can learn how to set and uphold boundaries during this. and that would be valuable in and of itself, you know, with all of it that we've spoken about so far.
1: Yes, yes, all true. Excellent.
0: And then the final piece, and it's a very big one, is, um, is the whole issue around shared parenting. And so you may have had the role of uh, the person who goes to work and brings home the bacon and your your partner, your spouse takes care of the kids or vice versa. And so now uh, this is a very thorny area because However, you've been doing it up until this point, you're both going to be parenting separately going forward. And that invitation into what does this look like? And I have a a client who's been the primary parent and dad has been much, much less involved. And I've really been encouraging her to invite that parenting schedule now, invite dad into what is your ideal what would you like and since you're you're only doing a small percentage Let's while we're under the same roof, let's up that percentage. And so there's also fear, like a lot of people have a fear that, you know, um, dad or mom hasn't. And so they can't, which is absolutely not true. While you're under the same roof, what a great opportunity to give that um, that space for the other parent to, you um, to to do more, to engage more, and see how it goes instead of assuming that it's not going to go well.
1: That's right. That's absolutely true because it's going to be an adjustment, uh, certainly when you're physically separated because you won't be with your children all the time, and the other parent is going to parent in a different way because you're two different people. And so what better time to start to put into place potential parenting time with the children. And you'll be able to see what works, what doesn't work as well, how the kids are responding, For a parent who has not spent as much time with the children, it's wonderful practice. If they're looking for more time with the children in the Ultimate Parenting Plan, I would recommend using a calendar. Um, Our Family Wizard is an excellent online calendar, and you can also put in there... You know, if part of your structure is going to be one one, that at least sometime during the week, one parent is not going to be home around dinner and the other parent is going to have dinner in the evening with the children, put that in the calendar. It's a wonderful time to start to get used to that. Put the parenting time in with the calendar. There may be some time where you're all together. There are are likely going to be times where one parent is with one or more children, where one parent is with all the children. Really map it out and let the kids know because because you, you want them to be adjusting to this in a smooth way and to not feel anxious about where am I going? Why isn't my other parent here? I don't understand. Um, Fill them in, in an appropriate way.
0: And and I want to say, don't assume that you're always going to get pushback. I, I have a client and she actually has adult children, let's say end of high school and into college. And she was sitting at the kitchen table, miserable, like, seven nights a week. And when we started coaching around it, uh, I said, everybody knows. So why aren't you doing something different? And when she put it out to everyone and her assumption was that, that, that dad would like be so resistant. And it turned out when they looked at everybody's activities in the calendar, there was a day that dad cooked with the kids. There was a day that mom cooked with the kids. There were days that like everyone couldn't be together anyway. And she was like. Oh my God! This is so much better, and it was just a dinner decision. So mm-hmm. when you start looking at this whole big picture, if you're listening and you you're hearing like your inner critic, um, state all the reasons why this won't work. Just notice that, and 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 put it aside, and and do your best put out a plan and see where you have agreement because it it really can be a game changer. Even a couple of agreements can be a huge game changer.
1: Yes, and come back together at some point, have an agreed time, you'll come back together to reassess. Re-avail. How's it going? What's working? What can we tweak? How are you doing? How are How are the kids doing? It, it's a process. Right.
0: And yeah, so your first agreement doesn't have to be written in stone. And so I actually I have a sixth tip I just thought about. But before I do that, I'm just going to run through. So what we're saying is is tip number one is create ground rules. Tip number two is determine uh, best mode of communication, time of communication and what you are and aren't going to communicate around. Tip number three is set boundaries, set physical boundaries within the house, set boundaries around tasks and chores. Um, Tip four is talk about finances, come to agreement on on who's paying for what and where it's coming from. And tip number five is create a parenting schedule uh, and and stick to it. Put it on a calendar. In fact, uh, what I promised to do in the show notes uh, Our Family Wizard is one FAIR. F-A-Y-R is another. I think Two Homes is another. There's a number of really excellent platforms out there for co-parenting and the schedule. So we'll, we'll post those for you. And then the sixth tip that I'm throwing in, unbeknownst to Rachel, mm-hmm. is don't criticize the other parent like the one of the things i always raise with my clients is how important is it and so if your soon to be ex is uh making hot dogs and mac and cheese or or dressing your child in the morning in an outfit that you would never put them in bite your tongue um like do there is so many Big things that you're going to need to have energy for. Do not sweat the small stuff. Do not get into the weeds on the little details. You're each going to do this differently. Find patience and grace. It will serve everybody
1: better in the long run. That's right. That's beautiful. I love that sixth tip. Yeah.
0: So that's it. That's a wrap. Um, If you have any questions or comments, you can always reach out to us or you can schedule a rapid relief call, which we would love to jump on the phone and give you a free coaching call. And until next time, uh, we'll be back with another episode of JBD Team Talks real soon. Have a great day.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Karen. Bye-bye.
0: Stay tuned for our next episode and I'll talk to you soon.